0: That was a wild way to start the final week of trade in 2022. The soy complex added a ton of volatility to go with increased demand and falling Argentine supplies. Cattle futures did not trend too hard in any direction, but Friday's Hogs and Pigs report lit a fire under Lean Hog Futures.
1: Live! From waning upper 20-tunities to, say, 2022, <laughs> via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Talk this afternoon. It's a conversation with Jeff Peterson of Heartland Farm Partners. I'm Handsome Newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of Talk, Chip Flory.
0: Well done. Well done. I'm trying to repeat it in my head. I don't think I could. Could you say it again for
1: me? live from waning upper 20 tunities to say 2022 20, upper 20 yes, tunities upper 20
0: tunities i uh-huh. got it there you hey, go hey you nailed I it i usually i usually can't do that kind of stuff thanks buddy I'm proud of you Talk i mean me one, it
1: one day you're rolling your r's now you got upper 20 tunities going baby <laughs> the sky's the limit you're going places know. kid
0: huh? i could i could i am feeling hey the future's looking brighter every day.
1: Ugh. Every day, brother. I love that. Every day. I love that. That fires me up. You're firing me <laughs> yeah. up right now. Yeah. Oh,
0: good. Good deal. Good deal. Welcome to Agri Talk. I'm Chip. That is a fired up Davis Michelson, and we are glad that you are joining us this afternoon. Crazy, man. I mean, Ugh. big, big, big time gains in that soy complex today. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Then some spreading kicked in, and then the selling took off, and then all of a sudden we're looking at the bean market kind of scratching our head and wondering what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good thing Jeff Peterson is here from yeah. Heartland Farm Partners because that's going to be like the first thing that we ask him when we get him on here is, is what happened in the soy complex. Uh, mm-hmm. there, there are some declining expectations on the Argentine bean crop, there are problems in southern Brazil that I think we need to be aware of and stay aware of up to speed on. We're gonna talk about some of that. Uh and then the demand side of the market. It wasn't it's not terrible. Export shipments uh-huh. in the the last reporting period were really, really solid. So yeah. we've we've got a lot of ground to cover and as we try to explain and understand exactly what happened in the soy complex today. And then the pigs, dude. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The hogs and pigs report on Friday mm-hmm. was not all that bearish, was not all that bullish, but I think the market just decided. You know, all these, all this talk, all this talk about some tightening market ready hog supplies. Uh-huh. It looks like it's going to happen. Not only that, the future showed us some expectations of expansion, but boy, uh, talk about a, a an organized expansion phase that we might be heading to is is to kind of undersell it because just not a lot of growth uh, in in the industry right now okay man yeah i say we get to it what do you got in the markets
1: well chip march srw wheat futures gapped higher and tried to rally with early gains in the corn and soybean markets prices however slipped back to fill the gap and front month srw posted a low range close March hard red winter wheat futures traded sharply higher on spillover support and as traders tried to account for potential winter kill of the central and southern plains after the recent cold snap. USDA reported export inspections of nearly 281 million metric tons in the weekend of December 22nd. That was in line with trade expectations. March hard red winter wheat futures up seven and three quarter cents, eight eighty two and a half. March soft red wheat a penny higher, seven seventy seven. March spring week closed at 934 and a quarter, up two and a half cents. Nice of that March soft red contract to let me use my S's. 777.
0: <laughs> it's good to it's good to keep those S's working, isn't it? No, no question <laughs> it really about is. that. Yep. Um just a quick correction there. 281,000 metric tons is what I think it was, not oh, 281 I said million. million. Sorry, yeah, my bad. Well, yep. Yeah, I think that might have been a joint effort in getting us to the 281 <laughs> million.
1: <laughs> well, Chip March, corn futures gapped slightly higher, fell back to fill the gap, then pushed to the upside to close high range. Today's close was the highest since November 8th in March corn, and today was the first day the contract traded above 675. Short covering heading into the end of the year gets much of the credit for today's advance. However, a stressed corn crop in Argentina and southern Brazil also helped to support prices. Pro-farmer crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier cut his Argentine corn crop estimate 1 million metric tons to 46 million. And he says the country still has 45% of the crop to plant. USDA this morning announced the sale of 7,500 metric tons of 22 crop. And the sale of 170,000 metric tons of 23 crop corn to Japan. Export inspections of corn in the weekend of December 22 totaled 857,000 metric tons. That was at the high end of trade expectations. March corn futures eight and one half cents higher, but 674 and three quarters. May corn gained eight and one quarter, 673 and one quarter. July corn closed at 665 and one quarter, up seven and one quarter cents chip.
0: I don't want to say that export demand for corn is getting better, but it kind of feels like export demand for corn is getting better. Oh, just say it. Yeah, let's give it a little bit more time, but it's starting to feel better.
1: All right. Well, after weekend rains uh, failed to reach forecasted levels, soybean futures shot to the upside on the open, posting a solid gap higher. Beans then rallied sharply to resistance just below the bottom of the June 21 downside price gap before aggressive selling sent prices down to fill the gap. And post a low range close. The early rally may have exhausted buying interest in the bean market through the end of this week. USDA reported export inspections of 1.75 million metric tons of soybeans in the weekend of December 22nd. That was at the top end of trade expectations. Pro farmer crop consultant Dr. C also cut 2 million metric tons from his Argentine bean crop estimate, dropping that outlook to 43 million metric tons. March beans, 4.5 cents higher, all told to 14.89. May beans up 5 and a quarter, 14.95 and a quarter. July soybeans traded at 14.98 and 3 quarters up 5 and 3 quarters cents chip. Yeah, you know, uh
0: 1522 the March contract traded to today back up around those June, you know, the the June highs. It was an impressive market for a while. We'll see what the give up means for us uh when we get into the conversation with Jeff.
1: Well, front month cotton futures posted an in- inside trading day with a high range open and a low range close to keep the market inside a sideways trading range. March cotton was 99 points lower today, 84.24. On your livestock's February live cattle futures opened lower, then rallied to post a new contract high yeah. before trimming gains and closing near the midpoint of the session. February fats 12 and one half cents higher, 157.87 and one half. April cattle down a dime, one sixty-one seventy-two and a half. January feeder futures down ninety cents, one eighty-three ten. Those and feeders finally, were the, oh, yeah. the
0: the feeders were reacting to the gains in the corn market, mm-hmm. uh, and the the chart that yeah. big hard run to a new contract high and then the pullback in there kind of feels a little how I feel about soybeans in in oh. that cattle market right now.
1: Well, expectations of tight market hog supplies in the first quarter of 2023 and the lack of a bearish factor in the quarterly hogs and pigs report set lean hog futures sharply higher. February hogs 365 higher, 91.47 and one half, and April hogs gained 107 and one half to 96.45, crossing over that $90 chip.
0: Yeah, that was a big move. I mean, that was a big, important move that we saw in the hog market today. Uh, it, it, if we can keep the upside momentum going in there, it'll be one thing. It feels like you set the high of the week on the start of the week and back and fill into the end of the year. Maybe something that we'll have to watch for there. All right, Jeff Peterson, up next, right here on Agritar.
2: To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything.
1: So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. 2022 with Timberlake. Now, ladies,
0: Timberlake for the ladies, Agritalk. Wow. Feeling it today.
1: Wow. Uh, Yeah.
0: Wow. Brilliant effort. Brilliant effort (laughs) right there. Well done. Well done. Welcome back to Agritalk i'm chip florey that is davis timber i mean oh oh justin plugs. michael i mean oh, what uh, huh it's davis th- michelson right there indeed. there he is indeed yes. that's the guy that is that is all right let's find out what's uh going on in these markets jeff peterson heartland farm partners jeff welcome back to agri talk how are you
4: doing great how are you guys doing today
0: real good real good you know I don't want to run out of time at the end of the show or the end of the, the segment, the conversation with you before I say this. It has been a pleasure to get to know you much better here in 2022, Jeff. Thank you for making time coming on Agritalk. Really appreciate you.
4: Well, you know what? I, I appreciate you guys, too, and appreciate the show. It's always a lot of fun to, to share differing opinions about what's going on in the markets and, at and, and the end of the day, help the farmers make some better decisions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, at least give them something to think about and a thought process to go through, in in making those risk management decisions. You you nailed it, man. That's that's exactly why Davis and I show up every day to to make this happen. So and Big Apple Joe, we can't forget Big Apple Joe. He's got a lot of uh, an awful lot to do with us getting on the air. There's like he could push one button right now, Jeff, and we'd be gone. He reminds oh, us of that, like. He reminds us of that, like, you know, a couple of times a week just to put Davis back in his place is what he's doing, I think.
4: Well, so I'd imagine you kind of gave him some really nice Christmas presents then, didn't you?
0: Well, I, I may have made a promise that <laughs> I still need to I, I still need to come through with. It's got something to do with, with rolled tobacco leaves and, and a, <laughs> a tasty cigar or something. So I'll get it figured out. I'll get it figured well, out. Okay. So what happened to this bean market today?
4: You know what? That was a crazy ride, wasn't it? You know, what was kind yeah. of fun about today's trade, though, Chip, is that if you look back, it reminded me the, the days ago and you didn't have any overnight trade and everybody's trying to figure out where the opening's going to be. You know, this open is still a little bit earlier than where we did open, but you know, it was fun watching the market and beans definitely took the lead. And, and I think there was a number of items out there that was pent up. So if you go back and, and take a look, there were some markets that traded yesterday. Palm oil was, you know, had a really strong day. You look at that palm oil market. You know, it it was up. It's off about seven. It's up about seven point three percent off of basically where its low was, and it's the highest really close that it had in about three weeks. And and that spilled over. But but um, then we look at what's going on with China. You know, and we continue to open up that market, and and that's what gave kind of that palm oil market some strength, and it spilled over to us. But then in addition to that, you look at a little change that happened in China. In addition to their COVID changes, you've now got some foreign investors able to participate in the Dalian exchange on some of their different soybean contracts. So you bring that all together. You have a little bit of a backwind there coming from the the energy market. You get bean oil a little stronger. And then all of a sudden, at one point in time, we ended up having soybean meal higher, too. But yep. I think as you guys were doing the introductory here, it's what happened. We ran that market up and it honestly shouldn't have went up that far today, Chip. At one point, mm-hmm. January beans would have been up about 37 and three quarters cents. Yep. And honestly, then we just ran out of buyers and the sellers piled on.
0: Yeah. You know, it. it it's almost like the spreaders in the product market, the, the bean oil market kind of forced the spreaders hands. And they started to get back on the buy side of the oil market, sell side of the meal market. Beans were caught in the middle for a little bit. And ultimately, you know, basically decided to follow meal back to the downside. Oh yeah.
4: Yep, exactly. It was yeah. encouraging though. The thing that did encourage me to see us, you know, close on beans. We we closed about four cents off the low. So that's a little positive there. And we also saw meal close a couple dollars off the lows too. So that's good.
0: Yeah. Uh, it, It is, well, I don't know if I'm going to call it confirmation, not yet, but it feels like confirmation that that front month bean contract, it's willing to trade up and through 15 bucks, but it really doesn't want to hang out there too long, does it?
4: No, it it doesn't at this time yet. And I think you come back to, you start coming back to that South American weather and there just isn't enough. If, if we had some bigger problems and there, and there's some issues, in in brazil but for the most part they're going to have there's maybe 10 or 15 percent of brazil that's got enough weather problems to kind of hurt their yield maybe maybe a little bit higher than that but we know that just because of the crop that they've got coming on there's there's probably 40 percent of basically brazil that's going to be above trend on yield or has that potential and so as a result of that when you bring those things together there just wasn't enough follow-through buying to keep that market going
0: yep yep some of the some of the privates are thinking that this Argentine bean crop is under 40 million ton now. Jeff, what are your thoughts?
4: Well, I, I think so. Let's go back and look at where we were at last year. We've okay. got many would say that we've got worse conditions than where we were last year. So I, I do hear some estimates coming down there. I'm probably not quite there yet. I know you mentioned uh, where Doctor C was at. I'm, I'm probably right in that similar area, 42 or 43. I, I don't think we can we can get down too much lower than that. But the door is open for that because you've got, in addition to those dry conditions, you've got the the fact that you have a lot of acres to plant yet on the bean side. And what's interesting about that is that they've already passed their longest day of the season in Argentina. Yeah. So so all of a sudden, the l- little you know, longest day length. So all of a sudden you're into a point when you do get these beans planted. You're going to be uh, prematurely, you know, causing the bloom to happen, which even yeah. if they have good weather, we've, we've taken some of the top end off that soybean yield. Well, yeah, it, it's like planting beans
0: June 20, what is today, 27th. And it, you know, as we've learned over the last few years, those early plantings really pay off. Uh, but planting beans on June twenty seventh, yeah, you've still got a fighting chance. But it's not like planting them on May 27th or even April 27th like like some of the guys uh, try to do out there.
4: Oh, definitely not. You're exactly right, Chip.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, Argentina bean crop at 40 million tons. Let's just make the assumption that's where we end up. Does it matter to the price outlook when we're already close to 15 bucks?
4: I, I think uh, ultimately what you end up having to do is we're getting far enough along in there, if that's the number we start talking about, what what no one's been really willing to do yet on the, on the soybean side as it comes to Brazil is to bump up that bean yield a little bit from Brazil. Now, some are arguing, and, and here's where this debate happens, right? Uh, some are arguing that, well, there's enough dry conditions that we shouldn't bump it up. I think we need to start bringing that Argent or the Brazilian bean yield up just a little bit yet higher really? where it's at right now is sure what it feels like there's there's some areas in there Grosso, you know they're getting harvest going there um yeah. we can't do much by looking at the yields there yet because it's so early and those are really short season beans but i i think we could see if maybe that yield bump a little higher yet yeah
0: you know it's strange i mean we're talking about still planting beans in argentina and and getting things started on harvest up in Mato Grosso. have you heard anything i mean it, it, it seems to me that this is the time of the year when they go out and they open up a couple of fields and all of a sudden we're hearing about harvest started.
4: Well, I would agree with you. Now, the thing I would say is they they were all able to get off to a good start this year. You know, they, uh, September 16th, what I'm hearing on some of these first beans, when they got planted, they're probably 95 t- day type beans. So they're, you know, an early season bean, but we also got to keep in mind for Matagrosso, so they're less than 1% harvested. And, yeah. and how that compares last year at this time, they were about 0.63% harvested. So they're about where they normally are. And it sure feels like this year could be very similar to kind of where last year was on our harvest progress. So on January 7th last year, they were about 1.3% harvested. By the time they got to January 28th, they're about 31.8% harvested. But the thing I would say though, Chip, is that there were some areas in Matagroso that were a little dry in November. And that's going to come back and hurt their yield just a little bit. So we we probably won't have quite as big a yield coming out of Brazil as it would have before. But, okay. you know, we'll have to see as they get further into their, their harvest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that it does, and check me on this, Jeff, if if I'm in the wrong location, but the sooner they get those beans harvested, the sooner they're going to get the double crop corn planted, right?
4: Oh, most definitely. They're going to get going on that. Now we're, Now that you bring up an interesting topic there on that. On the corn side coming out of Brazil, though, is that that first crop of Brazilian corn, it's not getting a lot of talk, but but we're starting to see a few analysts start pulling back the yield uh, or pulling back production maybe on the Brazilian crop. And it's mainly being attributed to that first corn crop being a little smaller. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And with with China in there and starting to buy Brazilian corn this year, uh, that seems like an important factor.
4: Yes, very, very important factor. It most definitely is.
0: Okay. All right. Well, you know what? I want to talk a little bit more about China buying Brazilian corn. I want to talk about demand for U.S. corn, uh, soybeans as well. We, we've got a lot of ground that we need to cover yet with Jeff Peterson from Heartland Farm Partners. And, of course, what do you do with it? We're getting guys some guys that just closed the bin door until 2023 gets here well we're almost here what are you going to do about it when it does get here we'll talk about that next
2: to produce higher yields and greater value at harvest timing is everything full scale from helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction
1: Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. President Vladimir Putin said Russia was ready to negotiate with all parties involved in the war in Ukraine, but that Kyiv and its western backers had refused to engage in talks. Putin also signaled Moscow remains committed to the war. Argentina's central crop areas were dry during the holiday weekend, while some significant rain fell in central through southeastern Buenos Aires and in far northwestern areas of the country. South American crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier cut his RG soybean crop estimate for a fifth consecutive week, trimmed his RG corn crop, too, on a slow planting pace. China's National Health Commission said it will stop requiring inbound travelers to go into quarantine beginning in January. And it'll be a quiet week in D.C. as Congress is adjourned. The first session of the new Congress begins January 3rd. News of note taken from the pages of ProFarmer. Try ProFarmer.com opinions expressed on agri-talk do not necessarily reflect the views of farm journal broadcasting affiliate stations or sponsors our name says it all AgriTalk. what more do you need to know welcome back
0: i'm chip we've got davis with us and we are in the middle of a conversation with jeff peterson from heartland farm partners Before we get back to Jeff, let's go ahead and have Davis recap where the markets closed.
1: Well, Chip, March hard red winter wheat futures were up seven and three quarters cents at eight eighty-two and one half. March soft red wheat a penny higher, seven seventy-seven. March corn futures eight and one half cents higher, six seventy-four and three quarters. July corn futures six sixty-five and one quarter at the close, up seven and one quarter cents. March soybean futures were four and one half cents higher, but fourteen eighty-nine. July beans traded at fourteen ninety eight and three quarters, up five and three quarters cents. March cotton ninety nine points lower, eighty four twenty four. On the livestock side, February fat cattle twelve and one half cents higher, one fifty seven eighty seven and one half. January feeders off ninety cents, one eighty three ten. And February lean hogs three dollars sixty five cents higher, ninety one forty seven and one half. That's your quick market recap. Back to you, Chip Flory. All right. Thank you, Davis. Jeff Peterson,
0: Heartland Farm Partners, is our guest analyst today. Jeff, when I look at 2022 and some of the things that happened, China starting to import Brazilian corn this year feels like it's going to be a big story for a long time. Maybe not a huge story for 2022-23 marketing year, but but a, a big issue going forward. Um, am I overthinking it?
4: No, I don't think you are, chap. I think you've got it spot on. You know, some some will argue that, well, if if China comes in and buys the Brazilian corn, then basically individuals that would have been going to Brazil will physically um, right. end up. If it raises their price, then they'll step in and buy from us. And and there's some truth to that, but I think there's more to the story, and this is where I think you've got a, a good view on this. Is that what we know? Is that, so that now where China's set up to bring this corn in we will continue to see more infrastructure changes. They will continue Mm -hmm. to put more dollars into South America. Um, That's at least my view on it. You know, you think about some of those old pictures we used to see of BR 163, that route that was always muddy, trucks stuck. Well, do you see many of those anymore? No, they don't. You don't because that's paved, you know, multiple lanes, and and you don't hear of the problems at the ports as much anymore with port congestion. And there's lots of dollars being funneled in. So, you know, this has been a long range plan, I think, of China. Yeah, you are able to get the the phytosanitary things the place, get the the shipments and and think about how fast they push that through. This wasn't yeah, supposed to exactly. happen that fast.
0: Exactly. It's it's uh it's like all of a sudden it was a realization that, hey, we need some choices when it comes to corn, uh, some additional choices, because Putin's got things screwed up over in, in Ukraine for us. It's not as easy to get corn out of that area, so we had better find someplace else to go to. And they decided to go down to, uh, to Brazil. You, you know, another thing that we see is a ton more rail shipments to the ports but i don't see the truck line shortening up much at all jeff i they they're just increasing volume on a, a nearly an annual basis
4: they they really are and and that's going to continue going that way forward you know if you if you sit back and just think about it they can and i know we've shared i think i've shared this on the show before but you know they can still put more into production yet than we have in production yeah so they could probably add 170 200 million acres yet and, and obviously it doesn't work at today's economics, but all of a sudden, if you have the ability to have some more rail lines so that you lower your freight costs, so that ultimately your basis is lower at the ports and you're competitive, you know what, that works. And that, and that's not all of a sudden taking any of the rainforest. That's just taking the cerrado. that's taken, think of it as pasture land with trees. That's, you know, got a little better soil in it that just needs some moisture. So,
0: yeah, yeah, Exactly. Exactly. So I said it at the start of the show, it does feel like corn demand might be improving a bit. Now, when you're off by half of what we were doing a year ago at this time, a little bit of improvement isn't enough. But it does feel like it is starting to get a little
4: better. I I agree with you completely. And that's what's kind of the interesting dynamic in here. We've got just the opposite thing between corn and beans. But corn, I do think we will continue to see the numbers increase from our research and what we're seeing out there forward, we're getting to a point where we're competitive and we'll start seeing ultimately offers being out there where the U.S. should be cheaper. You know, the export inspection side, we'll see export inspections pick up. We'll see export sales pick up. Now, don't get me wrong, Chip. I think at the end of the day, probably still going to end up having to lower the export number. Um, In in the monthly WASDE report, that'll probably have to come down, it could come down another 50 or 75 million. But but ultimately, I do think we'll see it pick up here going forward. Now we got to keep in mind, though, that's a pretty short window of time, if we can start get competitive in February, you know, we probably got until about June, because in July, they'll start ramping up again, and they'll start especially with the size and the way the crop looks right now anyway.
0: Right, right. Okay. What about bean demand? You you mentioned counter to what's going on with beans. We had a good inspections number today. What are we? Uh, what are you worried about?
4: <laughs> well, no, I, you're exactly right. That was a really good inspection number, but. The problem is, as we get out there in January, we're, we're starting to talk about harvest getting to going. But as we start getting the latter days of January and the first few days of February, unfortunately, we're no longer the cheapest beans. And we're going to start seeing beans coming out of South America offered at levels, you know, where we're at and slightly lower. You know, the, the positive of that is that right now export sales, we compare year to date, we're up about 4% compared to a year ago at this time. And we we look at what we physically have shipped and what there is for sales on the books. And and I think we have a chance to to get close to maybe what USDA's number is yet. We still might be a little bit high. Uh, USDA might be a little high in the export number yet because we got to keep in mind, even though uh, South America, even though Argentina's got a problem with their crop, there's going to be a lot of beans down there soon available. Yeah.
0: Five and a half million ton. And you kind of indicated that maybe we need to at least hold that steady, if not uptick a bit on that number well i don't want to put those words in your mouth there jeff you you kind of like the number that we're dealing with right now um okay take us into 23 what 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 do you anticipate is going to be the factors that you're going to have to pay closest attention to for corn and soybeans
4: well as we start digging in that number i mean The South American weather is going to stay front and center right now. And what we're going to have to watch closely is that some of those areas in Argentina that physically um, haven't got as much moisture as they'd like, you know, there's a chance that there's some of those bean acres down there in Argentina may not get planted because, you know, they are only about uh, sitting right now 60% planted and that's about 18% behind normal. We've kind of touched on that a little bit, but the, the thing we haven't talked about is they really need to get those being planted here within the next couple of weeks. So we got to watch that weather. We also got to make sure that this dryness doesn't slip over into um, Brazil. You know, we have seen that happen in past years. We've got that La Nina set up because boy, there's parts of the eastern part of Paraguay and Uruguay, Rio Grande, do Sul, even parts of Paraná. Um, you know, there's some parts, areas in there that are dry that that could maybe shorten that crop up a little bit. I don't think that's going to happen because as you stated, you weren't putting words in my mouth. I thought the the Brazilian soybean crop could get a little <laughs> bigger yet, but there's that chance if these dry conditions would hold on, that crop still could be hurt. So we got to watch that close. The Russia-Ukraine yeah. war, and and in particular, the grain corridor, we got to remember we got, to, you know, we're going to have to update an agreement here um, down the road. Uh, we've got a little bit of time yet, but you know, there's probably eighty some ships that are still getting kind of held up to get through inspection, yeah. and and if if uh, Russia doesn't get more inspectors in there, then all of a sudden you've got less supply coming from that. Um, we've talked about the export sales, but we really got to keep a close eye on our ethanol margins. Yeah, you know, I okay. I do get a little concerned about that because we are seeing a little bit of strength in crude oil, but unfortunately margins. Especially as you get out in the Western corn belt where basis is still pretty strong, you know what? we're we're struggling there. And we do need to to have some better margins there. Now, ethanol demand has held up okay so far. Um, you know, this past week, it was down about two point one percent compared to a year ago. Um, and this would be corn going into ethanol. that'd be coming out of your weekly EIA numbers. Um, year to date, though, we're down about two point eight percent. USDA has us down about 1%. I'm optimistic going forward that we could see some additional demand, you know, on the ethanol side, maybe a little bit more E15 gets used. But one of the concerns I have though, Chip, be the fact that when we take a look at the miles driven and the implied gasoline demand, you know, that doesn't give us probably as many, you know, could be 6%, maybe 7% less gallons to blend into. So, so that's one of those items that I'm, I am a little bit concerned yeah. on about that. So those are some of our top things that we're watching right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Good stuff. Good list. Um, what do you do about all of it? What's uh,
0: what's your level of urgency to lay off risk on the 22 crop?
4: You know, I, I, on this run here today, um, we, we, we started making some additional sales in here on the old crop. We, we want to start uh, getting stuff moved. Basis levels are still good. And and I like laying off some risk here on that old crop. And, and honestly, on not just corn, but also on soybeans there, getting ourselves down to our, our last few bushels. As long as we've got a marketing plan that's able to be uh, basically flexible enough that if conditions do change, because there are parts, and especially where we're sitting out here in Nebraska, we're dry. And as a result of that, um, if for some reason, we'd see those conditions expand further. Now we don't see anything out there that would tell us that's the case. I and mean, as a matter of fact, many areas are are actually probably improving quite a bit from where they were. Outside of in the southern plains and the plains kind of in general, but the northern plains is picking up. You know, quite a bit of snow up in the Dakotas. Yeah. But but as we as we come back and and take a look at that, though, we we do have to uh, we have, do have to to know that things can change. We also like making some new crop sales um, in here too, Jeff.
0: Okay. All right. Good stuff. Yeah, as dry as it is out there in some locations, makes it tough to pull the trigger on, on those 23 crop sales. We will talk about that the next time you're on, Jeff. Thanks so much, buddy. Happy New Year.
4: Happy New Year to you guys too.
0: All right. That is Jeff Peterson. We'll be back to wrap things up.
1: If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk, everyone. Your pal, Davis Michelson, back with a fresh new set of choppers. Chip? Yes? How do they feel? They working okay? They're, They're doing fine. So what happened was... Okay. I don't, I don't oh. <laughs> want to get I don't want to get graphic here, right? Okay. But okay. We're talking the tops right in the front, okay? Like you yeah. you can't be any more in the front than yeah. what I've had to deal with here and one of the roots had gone sour, shall we say, had to come out. Yeah,
0: but this all this, this all stems from an injury suffered while in like junior high or something, right?
1: 7th grade. Yes. 7th yes. grade, baby. It popped <laughs> off all four fronts just popped them. <laughs> but, like, not not so that they fell out, just so they cracked off is the thing. Yeah. So my entire adult oh. and young adult life, I've been dealing with these stupid teeth. And so to the good, I finally got, you know, at, at least most of it just pulled out.
0: Yeah. So I've
1: got, uh, currently, I've got kind yes. of a temporary bridge in there while the right. trauma to my gum line heals until we can... <laughs> we can install a more permanent solution down the road a few months but uh
0: I think yeah. we're all looking for a permanent solution on this
1: one yeah well I'll be you know I'll be sure to keep oh. you updated I will yeah, post absolutely
0: you. I I know I know you're leading the band on this call for mm-hmm. a permanent solution to the problems that you are facing but no I get it I yeah. get it yeah
1: yeah so that's where I've been uh but doggone got it I'm so happy to be back I mean, you know I'm over the hump on on the project you, is what I am and it feels sound good great oh shucks you sound fantastic oh shucks thanks Joe yeah.
0: <laughs> um
1: now let me ask you this um, okay. soybeans in particular a wild ride today yeah, even yeah. you know you could even argue crude oil has been a bit uh, well, maybe call it a mild ride today in WTI Temp. compared to, to soybeans are we looking at a case of low volume trade to where there are a couple of workaholics who just refuse to take the week off and not trade. And they're in here just shoving these markets around and every little thing that they do really just impacts the market um, in a, in an outsized form.
0: If, if we see another day similar to today with the price action, you know, I'm thinking, do we go down 30, 35 cents tomorrow and then bounce right. back? Huh. OK, so just the opposite of what we saw today. Uh, if we see that, then if I was uh, that would convince me to pretty much shut down the price screen and just <laughs> wait, just back away. <laughs> <laughs> just back away from the markets and let's just wait and see how things play out. Because yeah, I think that would probably be an indicator. Now, um, if if we can, cons- you can't even really say consolidate. If we march back, if we march back above fifteen bucks in the uh, in the March contract, and mm. try to hold on to those gains, then I'm going to say, listen. Um, the market is trying to factor in a tighter supply out of South America, and Argentina in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I would have felt better about the Argentine argument today if if the bean meal market would have been the lead at ah. the upside, okay. and if the bean meal market would have at least participated, continued to participate in the advance Then I would buy into the Argentine argument a little bit more. But this clearly, I shouldn't say clearly, uh, this appeared to be soybean oil reconnecting with the energy markets and driving some of the spread trade, driving some of the spreaders back into the long oil short meal position, left beans caught in the middle for a period of time. And then when oil turned lower, meal. Uh, went excuse me, cheese. When meal turned lower, beans had to make a decision on what they were going to follow, and it it was kind of beans following meal into the close.
1: That is some absolute horse sense right there with the oh. uh, with the meal and hooking that to the RG crop. That's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. All yeah. right. good. Um, Jeff Peterson. Mm-hmm. from uh, from heartland farm partners was our guest today <laughs> he called today's soybean trade kind of fun waxed a little nostalgic reminded him yeah. of the old days yesteryear yeah. if you will
0: yeah yeah absolutely um the you know if you if you want to go way back i do in the, in the time machine mm-hmm. to when we were um, on the floor for this week Uh, there was a whole lot of, you know, parties. (laughs) I was going to say,
1: eggnog perhaps flowing.
0: Yes, people would show up for this week of trade to do business, okay, do business. But if it wasn't for that party that uh, Payne Weber was having (laughs) after or the party that Merrill Lynch Uh or, you know, uh, Iowa Grain. I mean, you can go right down the list of, Of the the firms that were out there, if those if those after business parties and celebrations weren't taking place, it was less incentive for traders to show up. So this this was was this was kind of reminiscent of a couple of guys getting into the bean pit and trying to hash things out. Now, but here's here's the difference. Here's the Mm -hmm. difference. Um, in those days, if we would have seen a move like we saw today. And because it was just a couple of guys, it would have been because mm-hmm. company, somebody was short in a position that they wanted to get out of mm. and that they had to get out of. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can claim that in today's market or not. Right. All right. Uh, but then then it was a couple of guys looking each other in the eye and basically saying, okay, I'll give you the $0.35 cents that you want, but you got to let me out once we get there mm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So... Um, um. Still without a human element.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Real On quick. another note, you you started out the show cautiously optimistic about corn demand. Do you feel any better? Do you feel any better at all? Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I I do feel like we've got an opportunity to grow some demand in here with the value buyers coming in as they look at some of the issues that we've got with the South American crop. It. I, I still think there's a possibility to build some demand uh, to get. To get uh, butts covered going into some lower crop estimates out of South America. All right. Six to 10 day, January 2nd through the 6th, has got above normal temperatures across the entire corn belt. We've got above normal precipitation in that outlook as well. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll get an update on the U.S. and South American weather from BAMWX.com in the morning, right here on AgriTalk.